With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome to episode 93, the John Randall episode of McChesney Unchained. John Randall's my favorite interior defensive lineman of all time. Uh, under the six foot club, just played for the Vikings and the Seahawks, an absolute madman. Uh, one of the best shit talkers that's ever played. And uh, I, I personally, I, I love the high number episodes. When we get to episode 101, I'm not going to be able to talk about anybody, maybe other than, you know, like some weird NASCAR driver. I don't know. It's going to be the Ricky Bobby, maybe. Was he, a, if you're not first, you're last. So I guess he's not 101. Uh, but the John Randall episode of McChesney Unchanged Rolls. Remember, you can follow me at Six Year Academy on Twitter and Instagram, and then also at uh, DNVR Unchained for the show. And then everything DNVR related at DNVR underscore sports uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I got one of my DNVR hoodies the other day, a 3X, and it's it's like wearing a blanket. So make sure you go on and, and get yourself a hoodie, especially for the Christmas season. Uh, and we'll also have a bunch of hoodies and t-shirts on sale from 6-0, the 6-0 Savage uh, hoodies and t-shirts. So if you want some of those, uh, just reach out to your boy, either on Twitter or Instagram or on 60strength.com. All right, so uh, we've got a big show for you here today on episode 93. Uh, Mr. Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera and BuffZone.com is going to join us a little bit later to talk about the 3-0 Golden Buffaloes uh, and where they go and how they could potentially host the Pac-12 title game. So that's going to be pretty cool. And I'm looking forward to have Brian on to talk about your buffs as, you know, the state of Colorado, all the big radio stations don't really pay a lot of mind to the 3-0 buffs. All they talk about is the Broncos, and trust me, we're going to talk about that disaster here in a second. Um, but I wanted to talk about college football as a whole here, get Brian on, talk about the NFL as a whole for a bit, talk about the Bronco disaster and just how embarrassing that was, not only for Denver, but also for the NFL. Who's to blame? Because that seems to be a huge topic of conversation. People love blame these days. And then the, the Unchained rant at the end of this is, if you have kids around, you don't want to be, you don't, they don't want to listen to this because it is going to be as adult as it gets. And it's going to be focused at the National Football League, Roger Goodell, Broncos ownership. And just the, the fact that yesterday was as much of a clusterfuck as it was. Okay, so let's get into it. Episode 93 rolls. Okay, so college football as a whole. Uh, look, the big boys are being big boys. Bama hammered Auburn. Notre Dame did what they do. Clemson beat the absolute bricks off of Pitt and fucked up one of my parlays. Thanks a lot, Pitt. Never roll with them again. Uh, you're looking at the top four, Ohio State. Are they going to be able to play? Are they a top four team? Probably. Um, Indiana only lost them by seven in the shoe, and they're 12th. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. They had a big win against Maryland. Florida, Texas A&M, both won last teams. A&M could slip them to four if they, you know, they went out. Alabama beats Florida in the SEC title game, which might happen. Kyle Trask is balling and might win the Heisman. Cincinnati, BYU, both undefeated, but BYU is, a, is a, you know, a, a independent. And Cincinnati's in the Conference USA ranks, and 
I don't really want to see Cincinnati and Alabama play. I don't want to see Alabama and BYU play. I'll watch Alabama and Texas A&M again, though. And I, the deserving thing with me, yeah, if they go undefeated, Cincinnati probably deserves an opportunity. But I think on a neutral field, Cincinnati gets rolled by Florida, and I think they get rolled by A&M, and I think they get rolled by Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. I think they beat the bricks off of them, and maybe it's competitive for a half, but in the second half, the depth and the speed and just the fact that they play against big boys every week is going to overcome the, you know, deserved mountain of Cincinnati or BYU or whatever. You know, UCF a couple of years ago when they went undefeated was a nice story, but they're not the national champions. You won the Fiesta Bowl. Congratulations. Um, and that kicks ass, man. That's awesome. You know, CU sitting at 3-0. and They're not ranked. Um, Washington's unranked. They're also undefeated. So it, it, we'll see what happens with the Pac-12 as they play more games. Hopefully there's no more cancellations. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, before we bring Brian on, I want to talk about that for a minute. It, we'll obviously talk to him about that topic as well. I don't see, after talking to Joe Klatt, and, I, you know, Joel, I played with Joel in college. We were captains together to see you. He's one of my best friends. He's been on the show before. He's done a great job. Obviously, I think he's one of the best commentators in college football, a very knowledgeable man. And he, he pretty much – told me the other day that the dates are set. Whoever can play and whoever has enough games to play are the guys that are going to be evaluated, and whoever can't play and didn't play enough won't be. And that kind of sucks for CU. They could finish 5-6-0 and and be stuck on the outside looking in. So I'm just hoping that they play the Arizona game. I'm hoping that they play the Utah game. And then USC loses at some point. And, and then, you know, the situation that Brian Howell and I are going to talk about actually comes to fruition. So... You know, college football as a whole is predictable these days uh, as the season wraps. Um, I'm looking forward to conference uh, championship Saturday. I think it's going to be awesome. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same four big boys in as usual. Ohio State's going to find a way, even if they have to manipulate the rules in the Big Ten to get into the, the college football playoff. I don't think they're going to let Cincinnati sneak in there with Ohio State only playing five or six games. They'll find a way. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. But – Let's talk about more about your Golden Colorado Buffaloes, who are 3-0 and kicking a lot of ass with one of the best defenses I've seen in Boulder in a long time, led by Nate Lambin and Carson Wells and Lang and Mustafa Johnson, who's unblockable point of attack. I think that they've really turned a corner in Boulder, uh, and it's good to see. Carl Durrell has done a great job. I think that they've upgraded at all the coaching positions that they had to replace. Um, you know, I, I – I truly believe that Boulder is a destination school for guys who want to be here. And if you just want to use it as a stepping stone like Mel did, it, it will abide you that opportunity. But it, it, Boulder's good to those who love it back. And Carl Durrell loves it back, and it's being good to him. So, you know, hats off to Coach Wilson. He's obviously a lucky charm coming in, and they're 3-0 and with Coach Durrell. And Coach Rodriguez has got those boys up front. Uh, kicking a lot of ass on the offensive line. Coach Chivarini's doing a great job. So things are looking up in Boulder. They got Arizona this weekend, who they've lost two, three times in a row and really close games. And let's bring in Brian Hal now from the, the Boulder Daily Camera and Buffstone.com to talk about your Golden Colorado Buffaloes, the coaches, the players, and where the Buffs go from here and how, yes, how they can host the Pac-12 title game against the Oregon Ducks on December 19th. It is my pleasure to bring on my friend and one of the uh, the best beat writers uh, for any college football program that you can find across the country, uh, the beat writer for Buff Zone and the Boulder Daily Camera, my 
my hometown paper when I was a kid. Uh, Mr. Brian Howell joins us here on McChesney Unchained, the John Randall edition, episode 93. Um, and we're going to have some fun today, baby. And uh, Brian, it's, a, uh, it's an honor to have you on the show, bro. It's not your first time. Uh, you're a repeat offender, uh, just like the Denver Broncos. Uh, from a, from a, a grand scheme of things, college football-wise, before we get into the 3-0 and buffs, do you think it's gotten to the point where maybe they should pause everything and let people catch yeah, up? Yeah, well, first off, I've got about as much experience as the Denver Broncos quarterback did yesterday. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's a good question that you ask, and I think that it's it's got some merit to it because, uh, I mean, we're looking at every single week. I mean, it's just it's difficult for, for teams to try to field uh, field teams for games. And, you know, when you're seeing situations like two weeks in a row, Florida State's canceling the morning of the game, that's difficult. Um, you know, two weeks ago, people were mad that, you know, Colorado didn't schedule Colorado State. Well, the game was canceled on Thursday, you know, and there was nothing really you could do. Well, it was canceled earlier, but there, the Pac-12 didn't allow them to have non-conference until Thursday. So, yeah, I think it's difficult um, – as far as catching up, I'm not sure when they're going to catch up. And so I think at this point they're just kind of – let's just get through as much of it as we can. And so I'm not sure what the actual solution is here, Matt. I just – I think this this is kind of what we expected. I'm not sure if college football expected it, but this is what I expected this season to look like. Yeah, I can't, I can't sit here and, and say that I expected them to be able to get through it. Uh, you know, the, the teams and the conferences that started later are, are affected more – greatly at this point and that's just is what it is and unfortunately C is one of those but it, that is what it is we can't really control that so I guess we'll just play the games we can play before we get into Arizona and they've lost 10 straight but they beat three CU three times in a row and those they've been really close games and it's been a bugaboo for CU a little bit let's talk about the three and oh bus bro are they are they overrated are they underrated they're not ranked yet I mean, I think San Diego State's probably the best hands-down Mountain West program other than Boise top to bottom. I, I'm impressed by what I'm seeing, and I think they're getting better and better each week. So just run with that. I, I agree with you, and um, I think they are a little underrated. Uh, you know, you look, there's six undefeated Power 5 teams. There's five of them that are ranked right now. Uh, the one that's not is Colorado. And, you know, the two you can compare closely to them. Obviously, you know, one, two, and three are undefeated, and that's uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Alabama. They're in a different realm, right? Uh, but you look at the other three are Washington, USC, and Colorado. Do Washington and USC have better resumes than Colorado in 2020? I don't think so. No. Um, and, I mean, USC has got a couple of wins that they had to, you know, you know pull out of uh, their backside in the last minute. So, um, for those two teams, I think it's reputation, and I get it. Um, I'm a voter, and so I get it. Um, so I think the Buffs are a little underrated. I was impressed with what they did on two days' notice the other day against San Diego State, a game that you had to have loved, Matt, because you are a, a defense guy, a physical guy, and that, that, football, that game was all defense, all physical. I loved it, and, and to be completely honest with you, I thought it was – I thought – it was more impressive of a win than on the road at Stanford and opening up against UCLA, to be honest with you. San Diego State's beaten a Pac-12 opponent in five of the last six years, and they are a really tough out. They play great defense. And for CU to be able to – they would have dropped that game last year. That, yeah. That's the Air Force game last year that they lost, essentially. And we're going to talk about that here in a second. But 
San Diego State is a damn good program, and they got good coaching and good tradition, and they're smash mouth. And I think it's a great test for the Buffs. I'm just hoping that they can finish out the season. Um, okay, so let, let's let's roll with that. Nate Lamon. I think he look. I'm biased. I know Nate. I work with him. He's my boy. But I'm also looking at what I'm looking at, and I think he's hands down the best linebacker in the country, hands down. And is Nate Lambin the next next Buckus winner in Boulder, or is there not enough opportunities for him this year, and they're going to give it to somebody in the SEC? I, I think there's not enough opportunities, and they're going to give it to somebody from a higher profile program. One horseshit. <laughs> you know, I, I think. In a year like this, I think it's difficult to give those major awards uh, to somebody that plays six, seven games. And uh, But we'll see. I mean, I, I just think Colorado um, goes back to the rankings, right? They don't have the reputation right now, and that's going to hurt their guys. I think, you know, country, you know, I, I think Lamon's, you know, one of the top, you know, handful of linebackers. I think he's the best in the Pac-12 without question, you know, and, you know, he's – He's the best defensive player in the Pac-12, hands down. Yeah, I think he's fantastic, and he's gotten better in coverage. I know – you know, he gives up some passes here and there. But that guy, I mean, there was a couple of those runs at San Diego State. The running back stopped in his tracks and went backwards when Nate Lambert hit him. And that dude's a beast. And, you know, he's – I've been covering this team. This is my 10th year covering covering the Buffs. And I grew up in Colorado, so I followed him. But um, in my 10 years, he's the best linebacker I've covered. And I thought Addison Gillum was really good. Um, I thought Addison, Addison was great, especially his first year. I, injuries got, got to him. But – uh, you know, Kenneth Olegbody was really good. Uh, you know, John Major, when he was healthy, was pretty good. Doug Rippey, there were some guys, uh, some dudes that, that were playing linebacker, but Nate Lamon's the best I've covered and uh, might be the best we've seen since those Butkus winners. And and that's the thing. I'm, I'm thinking about my era, too. And, you know, Al, Al won the Buckus in 90, more of an outside linebacker pass rusher. Matt Russell, True Mike, won it in, 90, in 96. And Lamon and Matt are the same. They're not the same body-wise, but they're the same from a playmaking standpoint. Nate's all over the field. Matt was all over the field. I yeah. personally, I think Lamman reminds me more of Jay Sean Sykes than anybody else and Tufts because of their fast twitch first step. And Jay Sean and Sean were both exceptional players, both NFL guys, obviously. And then Jordan Dazon. I mean, I haven't seen anybody oh, yeah. step on the field and make that much of an impact from his linebacker position since I played with Dazon when he was a freshman. And then watching him mature in his senior year when he was, you know, the, the runner-up for the Buckus, it's just good to see linebacker you back. It's not a surprise that Cabral comes back and Coach BM is there killing it. And then Tyson Summers has got these boys chopping up a bit. Yeah, no question. And, and, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Jordan Dizon because uh, he's probably the best linebacker since Jordan, right? Um, and, you know, and without injuries, Jordan probably would have been a good pro. Um, if I remember right, he had some knee injuries and that, that cut his yeah, that short. short. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Lamont's fantastic. And, you know, you look at some of those younger guys, you know, I think John Van Deese is a good linebacker and he can't get on the field right now because uh, he, uh, Nate Lamont and Akil Jones, are playing so well. That's a good thing. Yeah. It means we actually have depth in Boulder for the first time in how long. I mean, imagine that. But, you know, you got three. And then Marvin Ham is a young guy that we haven't seen yet that I think is really good. They got some linebackers that are coming in. And um, it'll be interesting to see what they look like without Nate next year. But, 
yeah, Nate's been fun to watch. We're going to miss him, I think. Beat writer for your Colorado Buffaloes and Buff Zone. Make sure you check out everything. Mr. Brian Howell joins us here in episode 93. The John Randall edition of McChesney Unchained on DNVR. Make sure you check out everything DNVR under slash uh, DNVR underscore sports on Twitter. Uh, let's talk about the coaches here for a minute. Um, 3-0 and feels good. It's awesome. I was 3-0 and as a senior. It's a great feeling. Uh, coach Durrell, is he the Pac-12 coach of the year? And I don't see how he can't be. And then Coach Shiv, do you see him actually sticking around here long enough to maybe be the head coach one day? Those are two loaded questions, Matt. Uh, <laughs> for, first off, uh, yes, I think Coach Durrell is hands down the front runner right now for Pac-12 coach of the year. And I almost think that they could lose the next two and he should still be coach of the year uh, because this was a program that everybody – had buried before the season began because they said one and a half wins. One and a half bro. wins. They've already doubled that. You know, <laughs> they're three and zero. Oh. Uh, everybody said they were going to be last. Uh, you know, so I think he's he's hands down the, the coach of the year. I think the only thing that would prevent him from getting it is maybe they lose the next two and UCLA surges and and finishes off and Chip gets it. I don't know. Jonathan Smith at Oregon State maybe after that win the other day is in the running. But to me, what Coach Durrell has done is uh, pretty remarkable with this team. And, you know, I, who knows what, you know, Mel Tucker would have done or Mike McIntyre would have done the situation or any other coach. But I just think Coach Durrell has handled this situation as well as any coach could. I've heard from players, from parents of players. They couldn't be happy with what Coach Durrell is doing. And I love his demeanor, you know, whether it's with us talking to the media, you watch him on the sidelines. That guy is even keel and he's calm. And he's exactly what this program needs right now. And as far as your other question, for Shiv, do you want to go? Do you want to talk about Darrell, and then I'll go with Shiv. No, no, it's more of the. I agree with you wholeheartedly on Carl. You know how I feel about that. Um, he's been on the show before. We're going to have him on again here as the season winds on. Yeah, he's a perfect fit for this program. I completely agree. He brought in great. I think that they upgraded personally everywhere. I think they upgraded on the O line, on the or on the D line, on the head coach. Coach Rodriguez has been awesome. Coach Wilson obviously has those boys chewing glass and playing their ass off up front. But Coach Shiv, I don't see how you can keep him in Boulder unless you pay him like a head coach. Maybe ne not maybe next year, but he's recruiting his ass off and his offenses are really good and he just Develop the safety into the best quarterback in, in the Pac-12, and I, I just think people are going to see that. Yeah, and I think for Chev, it's probably the right move to you know go out and spread your wings a little bit as a coach. I mean, he wants to be a head coach. It's not going to happen here anytime soon. Um, I know he loves the bus, loves Boulder, um, but uh, with the way Coach Durrell is going, it's not going to happen here anytime soon. Um, I think that uh, a good move for Chev, um, and I'm not, a, not an agent or anything like that, but I think a good move for him will be to take this, this success and go take a, a G5 job or something like that and improve himself and work his way up the ranks. And um, I think he deserves it. I think that uh, you know, he's, he's done a good job as, as an assistant coach. And uh, if the Buffs finish off this and have a great season, I think he should get opportunities. As do I, and, and Darren's a good friend of mine and also a you know, great player for the Buffs, and just, I know how much he loves that place, but, you know, 10, 12 years when Carl retires after a couple of national championships, he'll come back. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> All right, so I'll, let, let's I'll get... also say this, Matt, real quick. Um, I'll say that if there is an opportunity, I don't think CU would, would uh, try to match and keep him here. I think they would let him go out and, and take that next step, because I think that, like a guy like Coach Definitely, Durrell. Definitely Carl Durrell would let him. Yeah. Because he knows that yeah. that's the progression for a coach. 
and that's that's the way it should be. And and you know, Shiv Shiv has head coach pedigree, and he can recruit his ass off, and that's just what it is. So, yeah. all right, let's get you on this last question about Arizona before we get you out of here. Brian Howell, the beat writer for uh, the Boulder. The Boulder Daily Camera and BuffZone.com. Make sure you check him out. He does an unbelievably good job covering your Colorado Buffaloes. I think the best in Colorado, hands down. Um, the, the Arizona Wildcats, they've lost 10 in a row, although they're very competitive. They almost beat SC at home. Um, they beat CU three times in a row. CU's a three-and-a-half-point favorite going to Tucson. Now, I just want to bring this up before I talk to you about Arizona. 2017, 5-7, UCLA, 27-23, Arizona, 45-42, Oregon State, 36-33, losses. 18, 5-7, started 5-0. All I'll say is Oregon State comeback, 41-38, son of a bitch, 5-7. 19, 5-7, Air Force in overtime, Arizona, 35-30 at home, USC, 35-31 at home. Is this the year that they close the door on tight games and win them? Uh, obviously, they've done that three weeks yeah. in a row. And is this a, is this a four and O team? Saturday I think night? so. And you know, I think that uh, you know, Coach Drell. I asked him after the game about bowl eligibility, and he said, "Well, I don't really think of it that way." But for this program, they had lost eleven in a row when uh, playing for bowl eligibility. You just mentioned a few of those games, um, and they snapped that streak the other day. I think for guys like Nate Lamon uh, that have been around here for a long time. I think that's a big deal in their minds to get that monkey off their back. And I think uh, the confidence is sky high. This team reminds me of 2016 a little bit in that uh, when they achieved bowl eligibility in 2016 with that win at Stanford, they all said, this is great, but we have bigger goals here. That's what they said the other day. And I know they have to say that, but I believe it just like I did back then. So I, I think this team, they know they can compete and they can win this South division. Um, I think they're ticked off. They didn't get a chance to play USC last week. And I think they're going to do everything in their power uh, to win these next two and put themselves in position and root for UCLA or Washington State to knock off the Trojans because somebody's got to do it for them. Well, okay. So let me ask you this one last question before we get you out of here, Brian, because you, 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 you sparked my, uh, my, the old, the dude, old duder's head here. Um, let's say – Sorry, I had a phone call. Let's say that that last week of the season where we're supposed to play a big 12, like a Pac-12 opponent on the other side of the bracket, is there any possibility that they get to play USC before the title game, or is that the title game That's weekend? That's the title game weekend. So um, – This is – this. So what? If SC's ranked higher, they're going to go? Yes. So it'll basically – This is such a so tiebreaker is this, that – um, SC right now is 3-0 and in the South, okay? Um, and CU is 1-0. The best CU can do is 3-0, and whereas USC can get to 4-0. That extra win will give USC the division. So, um, wow. and ultimately, if they, if they end up with about the same record, let's say uh, UCLA game gets canceled for USC. They're both 3-0. and Ultimately, what it'll come down to is uh, who's ranked higher in the CFP. If the Chargers so aren't losing, they're not going to they're not going to get jumped by CU. So we're screwed. Yeah, uh, I mean, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's put it this way: you, we're USC, uh, yes and no, because USC has not looked great, and uh, UCLA has looked pretty good. Uh, UCLA can beat them, uh, and so can uh, so can the Washington State this week if they play. So um, the Buffs, 
it's not unheard of that USC is going to lose a game here. And I think the Buffs are better than the next two teams. I, I wouldn't have said that about Utah coming into the year. I do right now think they're better than Utah. Um, if the Buffs win the next two, the USC can absolutely lose one. And if that's the case, guess who could come here on championship weekend would be Oregon. Oh, wow. Wow. Look at because that. Because think about this, Matt. So, All right. So that, that could be a great game, too, just, just to remain undefeated and maybe go to a big-time yeah, bowl, too. But imagine the Buffs not only being in the Pac-12 title game, but being able to host it. And if so, Oh, man, that would be awesome. So SC loses. And Oregon beats Washington in Eugene. It's going to be and CU wins out. It's going to be CU against Oregon in Folsom Field. All right, we're not screwed. There's light at the end of the tunnel, baby. And damn it, I like it. And hey, Brian Howe just laid out the path for the bus to host the Pac-12 title game and beat up on the Oregon Ducks in that process. So, brother Brian, thank you so much for coming on McChesney Unchained, episode 93. Uh, make sure everybody checks him out. He's a beat writer for the Boulder Daily Camera and bustzone.com and then your Twitter handle shoot your Twitter handle out there and then uh, we'll get you out of here brother it's at Brian Howell 33 and appreciate at it Brian Howell happy 33. holidays to you good seeing you gobble gobble baby go bust and it was awesome having my man Brian Howell on the show uh, episode 93 of the John Randall edition of McChesney Unchained on dnvr.com make sure you check out all things dnvr related as it is hands down the best coverage on the on the front range uh that's your wrap college football the bus players under this weekend we'll see what they do and if they're 4-0 come saturday night the big guy will be singing some more uh okay so let's get into the national football league before we talk about your denver broncos or whatever yesterday was if you want to call that the broncos uh, kansas city first to 10 and one beats tampa bay 27 24 Mahomes, I don't know how you can't have him as the front runner for the MVP right now. That guy is – it's nuts. I've never seen anybody play the position like he plays it. He's truly revolutionizing it. Brady, uh, Brady and Tampa have hit a string of really good teams that are better than they are, and they're beating them. And Tampa's losing by one score. That's the only silver lining I can give them. Um, I'd like to think that they can figure out a way to play better on the road in the playoffs because that's where they're going, especially after the Saints win over the Broncos. Uh, the Bills beat the Chargers 27-17 in the cleanest-looking game of the weekend. I wish Buffalo would wear those uniforms all the time. Buffalo's a really, really good 8-3 team. They play good defense. They can get after the passer. Josh Allen is also, you know, like a modern-day John Elway out there. Huge cannon arm, risky throws, takes off abruptly, makes plays with his legs, has tons of swag. I'm, I'm surprising that... Denver and John didn't see that in Josh when they were when they were evaluating all those guys that year when the four quarterbacks that came out in that draft class. Um, but the Bills improved eight and three. Looks like they're going to host a playoff game up there at Orchard, so that's pretty cool for them. Green Bay beats Chicago forty-one twenty-five. It looks like Matt Nagy's out of a job at some point. I'd be firing him pretty quick. Um, I think that Bakhtiari and my man Billy Turner, who's Dungeon Family and a guy that I've been working with forever, are the best two tackles in, in football right now. They they absolutely shut down Khalil Mack and Floyd and Hicks and those boys last night from, from Chicago, and they're about as good as they get on defense. Uh, unfortunately, their offense might be worse than Denver's at times. Um, but Green Bay looks like a good team a lot of the time, and then they play big boys and they get shit on. So we'll see what happens with Green Bay as they get into bigger games. The Titans go on the road, beat the Colts 45-26. King Henry goes for 186 and three touches. 
I mean, I, at some point, you got to start thinking about Derrick Henry as the league MVP as well. He's doing it again this year. Tennessee is going to be a really hard out in the playoffs, just like they were last year, because they can play defense and run the ball. But Mike Vrabel's done a great job with that team. Um, the Colts, you know, they pulled out a, a double-digit comeback last week against Green Bay, which screwed up one of my parlays, too. Uh, but yesterday, they got down quick, and they couldn't recover from it. Phillip Rivers looks really old sometimes, and then he looks really good sometimes. So I'm sure he's at the end of his rope, him and his nine goddamn kids. I mean, can somebody else have some kids? Um, that is what it is. Both these teams are, are currently in the playoffs with Tennessee taking over the three seed and the number one spot in the South, obviously. Um, the Browns beat up the Jaguars 27-25, tight game. The Jags are 1-10. They'll probably reshuffle everything down there. Their GM uh, got fired. And then New England, Arizona. New England wins 20-17. to and, you know, Arizona misses a field goal. And then Isaiah Simmons has a terrible 15-yard penalty hitting Cam late out of bounds. And they put him in field goal position and Falk hits it. And all of a sudden, New England's five and six and still fighting. So the, the National Football League is so up and down. There's so much parity every weekend. And that's why I love it so much. Um, and that's my entire goddamn problem with the Bronco game. And after we talk about the playoff picture, we'll get into that. So AFC playoff picture. Let's do this real quick. Pittsburgh's the one seed, 10 and 0. Right now, Kansas City, 10 and 1, would host the Colts. Uh, the seventh seed, Tennessee, eight and three. The three seed will host the Dolphins at seven and four. The six, Buffalo, the four seed at eight and three, will host the Browns at eight and three. The five, NFC, New Orleans, nine and two. They're the one. They get the bye. Green Bay at eight and three will host Arizona at six and five. The Seahawks at seven and three play tonight. They will host Tampa Bay at seven and five. And then the New York Giants, that's right, the New York Giants, Big Blue, is 4-7. and seven. They would host the L.A. Rams, who are coming off of a loss to San Francisco yesterday at home. They're the seventh seed, or they're the five seed, excuse me, and they would go to New York and probably win that game, although New York is playing a lot better. After a fist fight with Mark Colombo, the head coach has seemed to get a ton of respect. I would, too. Mark Colombo is like a Viking, and... Coach Johns is not that big, so fist fight that dude. Your team's probably going to play pretty fucking hard. Okay. So, the Broncos. Yesterday was the first time in a long time after playing for this team, after loving this team my pretty much my entire life, growing up here, moved here when I was 11 years old and fell in love with the Broncos when I got here and – uh, they've been my squad ever since. And that was the first game I've ever seen. I've ever been a part of anything that I was convinced there was no chance to win. Although I convinced myself at the beginning of the game they had a chance, but then Pat Schumer didn't do anything with the 18 hours they gave him. He just was like, oh, we're screwed. And he didn't put in any wild kind of adjustments. We'll talk about that in a minute because I'm I got a ton of information on that. So he didn't do anything to change anything. So the, the competitiveness of the game was gone. And uh, it was the first time that I, I stopped watching at halftime. I mean, it was – I felt sick to my stomach at a point because it's not – it's not even a preseason game. In the preseason, you've got three or four professionally trained pro quarterbacks. Most of them are draft picks, and they're trying to make a team, and they're playing their ass off. There's nothing – can't even – you can't even compare it to what we saw yet today so i look the the kid hinton i i take my hat off to you for even accepting the opportunity i mean what are you gonna say no but 
<laughs> that kid deserves, and I don't really say this much, but he deserves an opportunity to stay on the roster for what he did yesterday. The other three quarterbacks in the room that weren't wearing masks, and I'm not going to jump on them. Man, people are always taking their masks down to talk, blah, blah, blah. The NFL made a fucking example of the Broncos. We're going to talk about that in a minute and how disgusting it is. Like they're 12-year-olds. Like they slap them on the wrist in front of the other 31 teams and go, look what they did. Don't do it. Really, really, really low class and dangerous. Dangerous. I just – I thought yesterday was disgraceful. Uh, I think the NFL owes the Broncos an apology for not rescheduling the game to Tuesday when the Broncos quarterbacks could have played and just finding the shit out of them and taking draft picks away to make their point rather than, no, you have to go play, you know, shame on you, slap on the wrist, and just feed them to the fucking wolves like that. I don't even know how the players got up to play the game. I mean, I know they're getting paid for it and shit, but they've got to know in the back of their head they have no chance, especially when Pat Schumer – doesn't take the 18 hours, and I know I sound crazy when I say this, but just think about it. He doesn't take the 18 hours to put in any Wildcat concepts or change anything. You don't rotate in Hamler and Judy and Patrick at the quarterback position and just run zone. The same way that the New Orleans Saints went out there and just ran the quarterback and barely threw the ball and just assaulted the line of scrimmage, the Broncos could have done that yesterday. They could have tried to do that. It's not on the players or the execution. It's on the coaching and the lack of imagination. I mean, they didn't even try. They didn't even try. They have fucking the Hinton who doesn't play quarterback and can't play quarterback in four wide running streaks. They're running, they're running go patterns at the end of the second half and giving up interceptions and, and scores to be down 17 to nothing. The only bright point in the entire fucking game is Brandon McManus hitting a 58-yard monster field goal that we're going to talk about on the turning point because there's nothing else to talk about. We have to talk about special teams on a film show. What the fuck? I can't believe what I saw yesterday. I can't believe it, and I feel bad for the players. I feel bad for Hinton. That's his first opportunity to play in the NFL. It's essentially like I'm with the Jets. I'm on the practice squad as a rookie. They walk in and activate me, and I'm up, and I get to play, and everything's awesome, and blah, 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 blah. And then, and then, the, the night before the game, they come by and knock on the door, and they're like, oh, hey, Matt, I know you play nose tackle, but you're playing metal linebacker, or excuse me, you're playing guard tomorrow, and you've never tried it before. And then I moved to guard, and I played for four years, and then they come back and they're like, oh, you're playing middle linebacker today. It's horseshit. You can't, you can't just change positions in the middle of the night, and apparently you can, but you shouldn't. I, I, I'm just – I can't believe that the National Football League, for as diligent as they are on how they do things and they find guys and their rule book and their code and all this bullshit and player safety, that's another thing, and then they do this. I mean, it really, really left a bad taste in my mouth, man. It made me like, it made me question why I was spending my Sunday afternoon wasting it watching this bullshit. And it's on the National Football League, period. Period. I know you can blame the quarterbacks all you want, but they made an example of the Broncos. They could have fined all three of them and then just, you know, and played the game on Tuesday like they're doing with the Ravens. Just because there's no positive COVID test, that's horseshit. There's positive COVID tests in the building. They could have used that as an excuse to, to play the game on Tuesday with a quarterback for a team to go five and six. And I think they could have beat New Orleans, judging on how I saw New Orleans playing. 
New Orleans didn't get an opportunity to score until we threw a fucking pick with a guy who doesn't play quarterback. The last thing I'm going to say before we get into the Unchained rant here and I wrap this up because I can't dwell on this craziness. For everybody throughout my life that I've heard drunk in the stands or at a party or whatever disrespect my profession and say things like, how hard is it? I could go do that. How hard is it to tackle the guy? Why can't he make a good throw? How hard is it to block the guy? How It's really fucking hard. It's really hard mentally and physically. It's hard to understand the game of football. It's hard to explain it to people that don't get it. They get pissed off at, at, at guys who played when we say, well, you wouldn't understand you didn't play. Oh, well, how the fuck can you say that? I didn't play. I don't understand football. No, no, no. No, man, it's just I'm not saying you don't get it. I'm saying you don't understand from my perspective you didn't play. That's okay. It's not a knock. Don't get all pissed off. Just understand, hopefully yesterday gives a little bit of a, 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 a portal to this, but it's a lot fucking harder than just playing football. That was as close to drag a guy off the street and have him start an NFL game as you can get. So everybody out there who thinks that it's just as easy as have a few fucking Budweiser's and start criticizing everybody every day, man, uh, that, that's what it would look like. Especially if come out and try and play three technique for fucking a game, never playing before, never playing the position before. Try playing guard, never playing the position before. Try, try playing running back, never playing the position before. Hinton's a professional football player, and he still struggled like that. Of course he would. Why, I mean, how could he be successful? Everyone set him up for failure, including his fucking teammates, all three of the quarterbacks and the quarterback coach, Shula, and the head coach and the administration, or in the front office. They all set them up for failure. And the National Football League, and that's the, and that takes us to the Unchained rant on episode 93. All right. This kind of shit can't happen in the National Football League. I don't care if there is a pandemic. The fact that they didn't move the game is atrocious. It's, it's atrocious. Player safety, don't believe you. I didn't believe you at the first, first part when you said it. I don't believe you now, Roger. The fact that you didn't move this football game for a team that's 4-6 and six yesterday, now 4-7 and seven and out of it, but with a win over uh, the number one seed in the NFC, could be right in the thick of the playoff chase, just like the, the Patriots did yesterday beating a high-ranked NFC team on the road with a four-win season. The fact that they took that opportunity away from the Broncos yesterday, even with guys not wearing a fucking mask in a meeting, that's bullshit. That's just a, that, all that was is an excuse to punish them. It's a reason to punish them. I say it all the time. There's a difference between excuses and reasons. The reason the Broncos lost yesterday 31-3 to is because Roger Goodell looked at the team and said, oh, they're 4-6, and six, not 6-4, six and four, and we're going to make an example of these guys and their young quarterback who dances on national TV and has swag. We're going to make an example of them, and we're going to make them play a, a football game against the number one seed in the NFC and the best run defense in the NFC without a quarterback, on no notice. I cannot believe it. 
It's a disgrace to the city of Denver. It's a disgrace to everybody that's ever worn the uniform. It's a disgrace to Pat Bowen's memory. You might as well go spit on his grave, Roger Goodell. You piece of shit. I've lost all. I didn't have any respect for this guy to start because I think he's, he's a fucking puppet for the owners. But I lost all respect for Roger Goodell up to this point. I think he's an absolute fuckboy. And if you get called a fuckboy by me, that's bad. Ask anybody in the gym who I've called a fuckboy. They don't come back. I don't deal with fuckboys. This is unbelievable that the NFL would allow this. And for people on Twitter and Instagram, always get the game check, but it's the integrity and the character of the fucking game and competition. You can't tell me that we're supposed to go out and compete and give everything and I should sacrifice my mind and my body for fucking money. We don't play football for money. It's just a goddamn add-on. It's a bonus. I would play in a parking lot for free. I played it to the bone till my body gave out. That's the way that 99% of the guys that play are. Period. The money is a bonus. It wasn't there for the, for the old schoolers. It was built into this mega fucking business you see now. It was built into a mega business you see now because of competitive integrity, not because of the players getting paid. It's because people get on every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and they watch the best athletes in the world playing the most vicious game in the world, and if they believe it's real, it's not the fucking WWE. The competitive integrity yesterday was gone. When they took the quarterback position away from the Broncos and made them play, they totally and unequivocally shit on the integrity of the National Football League. We can't take a game seriously against the number one seed in the NFC. That's what. That's the fucking option they give the Broncos. Forfeit or play without a quarterback. That's it. And, of course, everybody's got to have somebody to blame. And if you're going to blame someone, I, you got to blame Vic Fangio. Because he obviously didn't stress to the players how important it was to staple the fucking mask to your face and never take it off in a meeting. Like no other coach in the NFL has taken off a mask in a meeting, blah, 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 blah. I understand Denver's repeat offenders. You can get everybody every week for repeat offense. The, 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 the shields that cover your face, those don't prevent coronavirus. They need clock coverings from what I hear. Half the country doesn't even fucking believe it's real. I wonder how they're doing with this. I am so pissed off about this situation. I don't know what to do with myself. I feel like the Broncos got fucking totally jobbed. I, I, and I, I don't know where to go with it. And the only thing I can think of is, instead of just being pissed off about the situation, I tried to like... On my drive down from my mother's ranch, which is an hour and a half away from where I live in Centennial up in North Boulder, I was driving down after Thanksgiving thinking about, like, okay, I played for a Dolphin team back in the day in Miami. We had Chad Pennington, and he was at the end of his road, and, you know, we invented the Wildcat, and I was on a team that used Ronnie Brown and Patrick Cobbs and Ricky Williams and, you know, the big, a big polite our, our fullback and our skill players to go out and, and affect the defense in ways that they hadn't seen. That's my point here is it's not that hard to run zone footwork and, and power footwork and counter footwork. The offensive line doesn't change anything. Take the 18 hours that they afforded you from 1245 in the afternoon until the next day when you played, it was actually 26 hours. 
take that time to teach your skill players how to take a shotgun snap and, and zone read the ball and rotate somebody in at, differently at the quarterback position and run the ball down New Orleans fucking throat the whole game. Don't try and go four wide and throw the ball with somebody that doesn't the quarterback and trying to do these concepts that, that a quarterback would run, that he, and it's not him. I mean, look, man, I, I know Pat Schumann was put in this impossible situation, but the lack of imagination and the – this is my problem with it wholeheartedly. The fact that he didn't just throw caution to the wind and say, fuck it, we're going to try everything under the sun tomorrow. We're just going to – everything that I've ever wanted to do as an offensive play caller where the, the coaches said, no, don't do it, it's too risky. Tomorrow, all fucking all, – all, you know, all notifications are off. We can roll. Anything's on the table. You want to do it, do it. I mean, why, why not go out there and just throw caution to the wind and see what you can see? I just don't get it. There was, there was a game when I was winning with the, the Dolphins. We went to Houston and played the Texans, and Chad Pennington had, like, eight throws and played maybe 25 snaps, and we ran Wildcat the rest of the fucking game. You're telling me that Hinton yesterday, he had nine throws or some shit. He, he shouldn't have any. I can take. I can take a loss. I knew they were gonna. Everyone knew they were gonna lose. I picked them to win because I'm trying to be positive during a fucking unwinnable negative situation. I truly believe that they would go out and throw caution to the wind, but Pat Schumer can't even get creative when it when his back's against the fucking wall, and he can't cre- get creative when he has no expectations either. So he can't get creative. When his back's against the wall and they need to win normally, and he can't get creative and, and throw caution to the wind as an offensive coordinator, he's too stuck in his ways to change anything, anything, anything. They had that wildcat package in with Phil already. Shut up. They didn't change fucking anything. They tried to put Hinton in a situation to throw two by two C routes. They're throwing, they're throwing deep routes at the end of the second half for interceptions. What the fuck are we doing? I understand we're in an unwinnable situation. You're making it worse trying to fit, uh, uh, once again, a square peg in a round hole. I don't know where the Broncos go from here. This is something I've never seen before. I'd like to think that Drew Locke is going to be able to play on Sunday when they play whoever the fuck they play. I, 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 Kansas City on Sunday night is going to be a disaster. They're going to destroy the Broncos. Hopefully the Broncos go out and play harder, and hopefully Drew Locke can, can get you know, his feet underneath them. But I've, just, I've gotten to the point where 2020 needs to end. Obviously the NFL doesn't give a shit about the Broncos season. So how can Vic Fangio stand in there and be like, okay, guys, we're 4-7 and seven and – we got a chance to go out there and play hard and, and really stick it to Kansas City, the 10-1 Chiefs who just annihilated Tampa Bay. And, yeah, we're going to stick it to them, guys. And go play tough. And, but no one gives a fuck about your team and your record. And, you know, instead of just giving you a chance to be competitive on a Tuesday like they did for Baltimore or, or the Chiefs early in the year with Buffalo, we're just going to say, fuck you, play. It's like the good oh, Ray Liotta from Goodfellas is the goddamn commissioner. Oh, you got you know quarterbacks? Huh? Fuck you. Play. Oh, your, your stadium burnt down, huh? Fuck you. Play. Find a parking lot. Oh, oh shit. You're you're you don't have an owner, huh? Nobody to give me any shit about this. How huh? fuck you play. Roger Goodell, that's not leadership, dog. That's some Donald Trump dictatorship, homeboy. 
I'm over it. We need a new commissioner, and the Denver Broncos need an owner with some fucking balls ASAP because there's zero chance they'd ever pull this shit with the Patriots and Robert Kraft. They wouldn't be pulling this shit with Jeffrey Lurie. They wouldn't be pulling this. No, none of them. Nobody with an owner with any nuts would ever get this pulled on them. They never would have fucking pulled this shit on Pat Bowen when he was alive. He would have stuck his leather cowboy boot up their ass. That's the unchained fucking rant. I'm done with this bullshit. The NFL wants the media and the ex-players and everybody and the fans to take the NFL seriously. Maybe Roger and his cronies and the league should take a fucking game for a playoff spot, essentially, seriously on a Sunday. This is McChesney Unchained, episode 93. Episode 94 is going to be kick-ass. It's going to be the Alfred Williams episode, my favorite player of all time. Hope the Broncos win against the Chiefs on Sunday night, but I think that this team is cooked. So the turning point's going to be up later in the week. Thank you to Adam for uh, for busting this out and, and busting his ass all the time, uh, getting McChesney unchained to the masses. Uh, thank you very much, folks. I'm sorry for all the curse words, but this is the locker room edition, man. I, you know what? I'm not sorry for the curse words. This is the locker room edition. Deal with it. Goodbye. Goodbye.